Yo, 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 what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Break the Cycle with me, your host, Joshua Smith. Thank you guys for coming to episode six. Uh, that's that's really cool. I mean, you know, you guys have made me feel very, very special. There's a lot of really great podcasters out there, and you guys have chosen to, to give us 1,500 subscriptions on the, on the YouTube now. Uh, you guys helped get a, a, a new custom Break the Cycle neon light that's going to go up behind me here in a couple of weeks. Uh, you guys have just been really, really amazing. Um, but I want to start off talking about our sponsors today. So we got Lorenzotti.coffee. That's L-O-R-E-N-Z-O-T-T-I.coffee. Uh, that is all your Italian coffee needs delivered directly to your door uh, on demand. It's delicious stuff. I have a, a package of it waiting for it, waiting for me at the uh, at the UPS store that I got to pick up sometime this week if they ever let me have a day off. And then, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, toplobster.com for all your great graphic t and hoodies and uh, graphics for your show, whatever you need. It's where I got this uh, amazing Disobey Your Local Tyrant shirt today that you can pick up with either uh, Mr. Cenocide himself, Andrew Cuomo, or you can also get it with, uh, uh, what's that other guy's name? Gavin Newscom uh, from California. Really, really cool shirts. I wore this one today in, uh, in uh, respect of our, our guest that's coming up. Uh, I learned something else really interesting today. Only 1% of you guys watching this stream are females. I don't know what's going on there, but uh, I just wanted to give you guys a little shout out. Thank you to the 1% of you that uh, stick around through my, I don't know, misogyny or sexism or whatever the hell it is that people are talking about me these days. Uh, we really, really appreciate you. So with that said, we have a really cool show today. I'm, I'm stoked and maybe a little nervous even, you know, uh, this guest is one of the reasons why I podcast, man. It's uh, one of the reasons why a lot of people are continuing to be libertarians. It's one of, one of the reasons why people are, are fighting so hard in this country against uh, tyranny. He is the host of Part of the Problem. He is the prettiest member of a boy band comedy troupe. He's Nick Fuentes' best childhood friend and John McCain's number two enemy. He's Robbie the Fire's live-in sandwich maker. He is the libertarian Tupac and the most consistent motherfucker you know, Dave Smith. Dave, how the hell are you doing, buddy? Hi, I am good. It's very good to be with you. I fear the trend now that Clint and you have started, that this is going to be the new thing to, oh, yeah. to intro me. Hey, and can I say, congratulations on the show and... uh what an incredible accomplishment. 1% female audience. That is killing it for a libertarian. For a that libertarian? Like, that's, that's 10 times higher than I expected it's, it to be. That's, it's, that's, it's more representative than the party, I think, to be honest with you. Far more. Far more. <laughs> I, I, I hope to get to those numbers uh, someday. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you do, man. I, well, I, I do want to apologize in advance uh, for not showing up in a tank top and a beanie. And, and, and I won't be asking you. Uh, uh, about your opinion of uh, fellatio with Popple Paul or, uh, you know, <laughs> any of that kind of stuff. I, I know some viewers are probably going to be a little, little bummed out. But how's the family, man? How you guys doing? Everybody's doing good, man. Very, very blessed. And, uh, you know, just, just living life, enjoying it. Uh, and uh, I, I was glad we talked a little bit before we started. Glad to hear your family is doing well and the new babies are all doing good. It's a beautiful thing, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's a... Uh... It's a it's a day to day thing, but it is it is a lot of fun and and uh, stressful and and uh, you know, I, the tax breaks are nice. So, 
Hey man, well, I, I was saying with you, oh. when you got when you got as many as you do, you're like, there is nothing left. Yeah. What are you going to take? What are you going to tax? You want to take one of the kids? Because there's nothing left. All right. It's like they want they want a vial of blood or a pint of blood or something. You know. It's, <laughs> yeah, pretty crazy. But uh, I would I wouldn't put it past them though. Oh, they they would totally do it, man. There's they're gonna you know, hey, listen, they're gonna try and make it so we can't travel without a vaccine. They they can do whatever the hell they want at this point, you know. Yep. So, but uh, I want to start off kind of serious here. Uh, and use some takeover language. I know that's, you know, anytime somebody says, don't use that takeover language, you know, calm down. You're, you're scaring everybody off. Well, I, I work on the Libertarian National Committee. You know that I'm an at-large representative in my second term. I uh, ran for chair twice. I'm currently kind of running for chair again. Uh, I spent four years traveling the country to more than 40 states trying like hell to shape the LP into a party that's um, more welcoming to libertarians. <laughs> uh, and I, I've kind of described myself as gray pilled. Um, I have, I have some hope, uh, but I'm still a little skeptical of, of the ends. What do you see in the LP? What results do you want to see with this, this Mises caucus takeover and, and this kind of changing of the guard in the party? Yeah. Well, I, let me just say first that, you know, I know there's a lot of people who object to the, uh, the term takeover. And, um, I, I guess I would just say, okay, Forget about the the term. Let let's talk about the substance of it and what we're actually trying to do and what you would or wouldn't object to. Because let's be honest, is there any caucus out there who wouldn't want to expand their influence on the party? Is right. there is there any caucus out there who wouldn't want their candidates and their messaging to be pushed? I mean, what would the point of being a part of a caucus be unless you felt strongly to some degree about how the the party should you know represent itself and how the the messaging should go and who the candidate should be so to to me um what the takeover you know means and 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 call it something else if that's what you feel more comfortable with no. what i think <laughs> is is this is well yeah look I, i'm saying if there are any good libertarians that are out there and there's a whole lot in the party and you know this as well if not better than me there's a lot of really great people in in this party and part of why i'm so interested in shaking things up in the party is because i feel like those people deserve better i mean they they deserve better from their leadership i mean people who are out there getting signatures in like the freezing rain they they deserve to be doing that for something meaningful not not for some you know like weak uh, milk toast pandering nonsense. They, they deserve to be doing that for something inspirational. That is huge. That could have a lasting impact on history. I think, I think that's what they're working hard for. Not, not just for like, Oh, I hope we get 3% instead of 2%. You know, I think they want to change the world. And I think that's what libertarians have always been for going all the way back to the classical liberal tradition and the enlightenment and all of that. So I look at it like this, the libertarian party is sitting on the uh, most noble, beautiful political philosophy in the history of the world, the, the greatest movement in mankind's history, the one centered around human liberty. And we're sitting, we're, we're uh, you know, getting 1% of the vote and we're seen largely as a joke. And that's a problem. Why, why would you be sitting on the truth? We have the truth on our side. We have morality on our side. And and we're and, and people see us as a joke. So if that's the reality, which I think is undeniable, I don't think anyone could deny that those things are true. Yeah, that absolutely. we have the truth on our side and that we're seen as a joke. So if that's if that's true, then there's an issue there. 
and and I think that deserves to be uh, that, that deserves to to you know be shaken up. And and I would just say that I don't need to. You know, I, I could easily go a different route and personally be, you know, in the same position that I am now. I am choosing to focus uh, attention and energy in the Libertarian Party and to bring a lot more people into it. And I would encourage the people who are in the party to to welcome that and, and look at the people coming in as like, these are your reinforcements. These are the people who are coming here to help us do something meaningful. So that's that's what I look at the whole Mises caucus business a, a, as being. I think from the very beginning that guys like you and and Michael Heiss, they they always said that the this is all about bringing the libertarian movement, the Ron Paul movement into the libertarian party where it belongs and that's what I'm trying to help accomplish. Sure. And I agree fully. It was, you know, <clears throat> I started with the party for the second time uh 2016 during the Gary Johnson and uh Bill Weld <laughs> campaign um, because I didn't, you know, I, I had worked for Ron Paul in Ron Paul's campaign in 08. I voted for him again in 2012. And then I'm looking at Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. And I'm going, there's just no fucking way. There's no yeah. fucking way I can be a part of this. You know what I mean? And uh, I, I knew Gary Johnson from his 2012 run. I was, I thought he was all right, you know? Um, and so I joined the party in Washington state and I became a region rep there. And I didn't know anything about party politics. You know, I, at the time, I didn't know about the Mises and uh, Cato split. I didn't know what a Beltway Libertarian was. I didn't know what a blue pill was or a red pill. I didn't know anything about any of this shit. Um, so it was, you know, around around that time, right around the, the election time after that national convention in 2016 that I didn't go to, by the way, um, in Orlando, Florida, where I had been a fan of Nicholas Sarwark, you know, and and all of a sudden he's attacking Tom Woods. And he's attacking Eric July and he's attacking you and he's attacking fucking Ron Paul of all the people in this country. He's attacking Ron fucking Paul, like the person who made more of my generation libertarian than anybody else in this country. And uh, so that was when I decided to run for chair and it felt like I was I was doing it alone. You know what I mean? Um, there wasn't the big push to, to join the party. Everybody did think the party was a joke, you know, and it's it, it makes me really happy to see that, you know, several years later. Uh, Dave Smith's involved. Tom Woods invo is involved, and the Mises Caucus is kicking ass and taking names, and uh, we got great people running for leadership positions. And um, what what would you say to to my viewers? Because I know you have way more fucking viewers than I probably ever have. But uh, what I mean, what can they do to to help with this this takeover? Well, I mean, look, the thing to do to help is to join the Libertarian Party and and be a part of this. And one thing I will say, and I've heard this a lot from people. Um, is that, you know, Nick Sarwak, uh, who, you know, of course, I've I've had my issues with uh, over the years. Um, nothing personal, you know, uh, against him. I just I, I don't like the way he does it. And I'm sure he doesn't like the way I do it. And we've we've battled. But as, as I said recently, like I'm at a point now, particularly where, you know, how just unbelievably tyrannical the government has gone over the last year, I'd I'd work with anybody who's good on any one of these issues at, at trying to help something. But anyway, Nick said a thing that I've heard a lot of people mention. And I, I believe he said it when me and him were debating uh, at the Soho Forum that he said the party is made of who shows up. And God damn it, you know, he was right about that. He was absolutely right. And so it, whatever problem you have with the Libertarian Party, if you want to make it better, just know that there's a lot of us who are trying to do that. And the way to help us is to join 
and and really, if you can go become a delegate. I mean, that's really the way to like make a difference in this party. And so that's that's just a factual reality that it's going to be made up of of who's there. And you know, uh, a lot of people are like, well, if if it's made into something better, then I'll join. And okay, but that now you're just asking everybody else to do the work for you. So I would say, come come join us. Why not? You know, let's let's try to do something great, which has always been what my in my entire career. That's always what I've been about. Let's try to do something great. And and just to your point that you mentioned earlier, you know, I was a guy. I I I didn't come into libertarianism as an LP guy. I came in as a Ron Paul guy. You know, and I remember back in the 2008 campaign, or people would ask Ron Paul, "How come you're not running as a libertarian?" You know, that would be a question that came up all the time. I mean, you're obviously not really a Republican. This is George W. Bush's Republican Party. You're really a libertarian. And he just said, well, you know, all the rules are rigged against third parties. And so it's just it's kind of an unfair system. So you just got to run as one of the big parties. And at the time, I just took that as like, yeah, OK, good point. So there's no point in even considering the Libertarian Party because they're just it, it's true. All the rules are rigged against them anyway. Um, and it was around 2016 when Rand Paul's campaign really fell apart um, for a host of reasons. And uh, Donald Trump overtook the Republican Party. And there, there certainly were some, some interesting things about Donald Trump. You know, he was running against the whole establishment and he was questioning the warfare state and all of this. But there were just too many problems with him. Like, aside from just being Donald Trump and being this bloviating ignoramus, you know, aside from that, the, there were things he was saying that were just, I, I couldn't get past. I can't get past. We should bomb the crap out of them. We should deport every illegal immigrant who's living here. I mean, you're literally talking about creating an American Gestapo. I, I you know, I, I can't support that. I can't support we should torture their families or whatever other dumb shit he was. At. So I was like, this is just too far gone for me, you know, and uh, I didn't like the protectionism stuff either. Um, of and of course, Hillary Clinton is like, you know, the devil. Uh, so I couldn't support uh, her. And then you start realizing that it's like, oh, OK, we have the two most unliked candidates in the history of the world. And then there's this third party that bears our name and has a lot of good people in it. So I started kind of giving that a look. And then I found this Michael Heiss guy and I was like, holy shit, like this guy's really inspiring me. And I realized that the, the points that Ron Paul made back in 2008 about getting on the debate stages and the rules being rigged against you – it's a, you know, it's a different world in 2021 than it was in 2008. You know, I, what do I care about getting on a debate stage? I can go on Joe Rogan's show and Tim Poole's show and Jimmy Dore's show. I, I, I don't care. You, you can not let me in all you want to. We're bigger. We, we have alternative avenues now that are bigger than any of that. So I would just say to the libertarians out there, come be a part of this. We can all kind of like link arms and join forces and make this something you know, meaningful. Sure. And so that's, that's how you can come help out, join and become a delegate. Yeah, absolutely. Was that, was that you announcing for, uh, for president there? Is, you can get on all these, these stages. You don't need the Josh, debate. I, would. <laughs> I, I was talking about, we're trying me. to, I was we're trying to get me, you, man. Uh, me implied, you, you know, know? I, I, uh, I've, a lot of people have talked about, you know, different people running in, in, in 2024, Tom Woods and you and Scott Horton and all this stuff. And I, I keep saying a Smith Smith ticket might be kind of cool, man. It might be fun, you know? <laughs> well, listen, it's, it, it would be, I'll say this, it would be nice to see uh, a, a presidential candidate that we haven't had uh, since Ron Paul, sure. that we haven't had in the LP since Harry Brown, who just 
I, I don't know. To me, it just seems like it's not that big of an ask that you have a presidential candidate who can just talk that shit the way you want it to be talked. And, yeah. you know, like just say the things that make you go, yes, I am proud to get behind that guy. Say something that actually has a chance of maybe inspiring somebody. Sure. And, um, you know, whoever that uh, candidate is in 2024. I hope that there's somebody, I hope there's somebody who, who can inspire people. Somebody brave, somebody who's got a unapologetic message that's going to go out there and say, you know, let's end these wars. Let's end the federal reserve. Let's, uh, you know, stop locking people in rape, violent rape cages for, uh, you know, yeah. yeah, and it doesn't even take it doesn't even take that much bravery right now. I mean, th- that that's one of the things that drives me crazy. It's like, dude, there were people, there were anti-war activists in World War One who were like threw their lives away to to fight against sure. the war. Nobody's asking you to do anything like that. What are we asking you to risk? Getting kicked off of Twitter? Okay, <laughs> like so, risk it. It's coming and, for and all of us, anyways. Truth. Yeah, it's really. coming for all of us. All yeah, of us. really. Well, uh, t- speaking of of that and. Um, Last week, I actually I had Pete Canones on on the show, um, and and I talked to him about how you and him kind of shook my worldview a little bit last year. Probably any remaining amount of blue I had left in my pill was thrown out the fucking window. Um, and uh, you know, I kind of over the last year, I became this hard ass who refused to give any leeway whatsoever to people arguing in bad faith anymore. Uh, in fact, I started basically responding with memes insinuating that they needed to be shoved back in their lockers where they belong. And um, while I was doing this, you kind of switched over to this, this unity talk, right? This unity thing. And um, uh, what, what kind of unity are you referring to? Hopefully not the communists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, well, I mean, look, honestly, I'll take a, a real communist, like a real hardcore, one of the good ones. I mean, I, unify on certain issues perhaps you know i mean like i'd i'd march against you know a war with pretty much anyone um so like i you know i i I kind of take the ron paul position on that that you can have coalitions single issue based coalitions with anyone but no what i'm talking about with with the unity stuff is not you know uniting with uh, bad faith actors who, you know, there are, there are some of those in in our party. Um, and I'm not talking about, you know, like, I'm not talking about having some type of unity with every person in the world, obviously. Right. Like I'm not trying to unify with John Bolton, but I am saying that it's like, look, if there's a, a perception or if there's something that I'm doing to add to their perception that I'm just in this party to fight with people and to wage a war, if, if you're a good libertarian who, who just wants to like end the wars and end the lockdowns and, and, you know, end the militarized police and the corporate welfare and just all of the craziness we've seen over the last few years, if you're that person then I want to do whatever I can to work with you and and to help you and hopefully help each other. And and I think that really the only shot we have is if we can get all of the good people who care about human liberty together on the same page. So I'm all for, you know, doing that. And as far as what you said about the kind of switch in tone or the or the switch in, you know, over the last year, look, I just realized that in some ways I have created, um, a perverse incentive structure and I don't, I don't regret 
everything I've done over the last couple of years. I mean, there's things that I regret. There's individual, you know, things and, and certain people who I shouldn't have done a thing with or platformed or stuff like that. Not any of the ones who they're upset with me for. <laughs> I'm not, I don't Wait. feel bad for platforming a single right way, but I do feel bad for like debating Archie Flower. I never should have done that. I just don't think he was up to the challenge. And yeah, I don't think he was prepared for the debate. And I don't think he was prepared for the, spotlight that would be on him after the debate and it's it, I broke him. I pro- you broke him yes and I don't feel but you know what I'm not like saying this in like a comedic way I don't feel good in breaking a person I wouldn't want to break a, a person who might be a perfectly fine you know guy I, I I don't you know that's not like what I'm here for I just I almost there's a little bit of naivete on my part where I'm like oh you disagree with me okay great like let's have a battle of ideas and see who's right and I'm kind of looking at it from this purest mindset and then there's other things that maybe I wasn't considering like yeah this guy's not really ready to debate his point like he's not really ready for this type of pressure and he's really not ready for the pressure of all of the eyes on him now and what's going to come after this and now he's done this debate and then after it he's got a whole bunch of people you know on Twitter saying oh you're a loser you embarrassed yourself. And then he, what, what happened to him was he had a whole bunch of people on the other side who were saying, you were too friendly with Dave. You should have gone at him harder. And doing the same thing to, to him that they do to you. Yeah, right? yeah. You know, right. Exactly. Exactly. And so, and, and almost in a weird way, they have to. Because if my great crime is talking to people and being too friendly with them, well, then what are you if you debate me, but you were really friendly with me too? And, and he even laughed. When we did that debate, I made the fellow travelers joke. Oh, sure. And he laughed. He thought that was real funny. Yeah. So now he's trying to overcompensate for that, you know, and go. And, and I just like, I don't enjoy doing that to anybody. I don't I don't like when things go to this really bad place. And I wouldn't want to add to that if I didn't have to. But I realized at a certain point. Right. And I'll tell you, there were some guys like I credit Reed Coverdale a lot for this. And I credit like uh, uh, some other the, the people in that crew um, who really kind of helped me. To, to see this, that what ha- what ended up happening was my attitude at first was like, hey, if anyone has a fucking thing with me, you have a beef with me, I'll debate it with you because my view is like, I think I'm right. And so I think I can defend this position. And I think your criticisms are, you know, ill-founded. So I think I'll be able to win this debate. And it's almost like this purest attitude. But then what I realized afterward was it was like, okay, so now I'm giving all of these people who talk shit about me, the biggest platform they've ever had. So the incentive is now <laughs> to talk shit about me so you can get yourself this bigger and bigger platform. And and there's obviously a whole lot of people who are way more, I mean, not that relevant, but more relevant than they would otherwise be if they weren't talking shit to me. And then talking to like Reed and some of these other guys, and like, like Jeremy and David and like some of these other guys too, who are like, hey, we just we want to know, like, are you here at war with us or can we all come together around these ideas? And I'm like, oh, you know what? Let me flip this and say I'm going to incentivize people who are good libertarians. I'm going to give those guys a bigger platform and just kind of like dismiss all of the bad faith actors. And I think that that creates a better incentive structure where now it's like I'm going to I'm going to try my best to reward people. If I have this little bit of influence or this little bit of audience now, I'm going to try to reward the people who I think are doing really good work and platform them and shine a light on them. And it's not that I completely regret doing a lot of the debates because some of them needed to happen. Some of them like these arguments needed to be taken on. 
you know, I don't I don't regret debating Nick Sarwak. He was the former chair of the party, you know, like that that needed to be that needed to be put out there. I don't regret debating Andy Craig. He's out there calling us all alt writers. It's like, OK, he's, that he's, needed to be. He's a writer for Cato, too. I mean, you know, yeah, he's got that's a enough. So that, that's enough of a thing. And, and you're that needs to be taken on. I wanted to demonstrate to people that these arguments cannot stand up to very basic scrutiny. But that's been done. Like, how many times do you need to do that? You know, so I felt that's that's at the heart of the transition to me, where it's like, I don't want to just be fighting with other people who I probably agree with on 90 percent of political issues. Sure. There's too much real shit going on right now. I, I want to be actually trying to fight the state. I want to actually be trying to fight the whole cathedral of academia and the corporate press and the military industrial complex and the deep state and the government and all of this stuff. That's that's what my life mission is about. So let me focus on what's most effective to getting toward that goal. And and just the other thing uh, is that I think a lot of people do and and fairly part of this is on me is that they do look at it after a while and go, oh, you're just here to fight. And that's really not what I'm here for. I'm not just here to fight with other libertarians and and all all those types, the, the you know, the the dishonest actors, all those types, their arguments have been put out there over and over again. And at a certain point, people like me and you got to accept they've been largely rejected. Sure. They just have. There's there's, you know, 100 people at most who agree with them. And basically the rest of them are like, yeah, this is just really stupid. Sure. And so let's just at this point, it's almost like let's be gracious victors. We won. We won the battle. Let's move on to the next phase. Sure. But uh, so on a scale of one to, to, I don't know, 12, how worried are you about the Archie Flowers case that he's putting together? Against, you know? <laughs> I mean, as somebody who's been like ruthlessly attacked for the last four years, I mean, if you've watched, if you followed my campaigns, dude, it's been fucking insane. I mean, they've gone after my family. They've gone after me. They've gone. They went after my 75 year old grandmother uh, weeks after my grandfather passed away. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's just the nature of politics that there's going to be nasty, terrible, fucking shitty actors out there. And, And it's unfortunate that it's always seems to come to anybody who gets a little bit of platform whatsoever. I mean, any amount of success, they start coming after you, man. Well, and there are clearly, I mean, some groups of libertarians who don't, I mean, they, they don't exist to do anything to advance liberty. It's just to tear down anybody who's successful within the space. And I would say that there are lines. There are, there are several lines, but there's some pretty clear black and white ones. And I think that people, you know, and, and you're, you know, you've, uh, been the victim of this, but people who go after others, families and stuff like that, to me, that's like totally over the line. Like, I think, I think those people should be like ousted. And I don't say this about anybody else, uh, that anybody else should be like kicked out of the party or anything like that. But people who attack other people's families, other people's children involved, that, that is like, to me, you know, I'm a family man. So to me, that's like a, a whole different line of things where like those people like I mean, I like, as I said in the debate with Archie Flower, I, I think those people should burn in hell. I have no sympathy for them. You know, that's to me, that's a whole different beast. Sure. Um, you know, the case that Archie's going to build, I look forward to. Seeing I, I would keep waiting. I'm like, I'm like, has. I'm like, do you know how many episodes of Legion of Skanks there are, man? I'm sure you got something well, by now. 
Well, the funny <laughs> thing is that it's like, what what do you have on me? He almost put it out there like he has some personal information on me. Yeah. Like, dude, you have nothing. I have no weaknesses in my personal life. Like, that is just not there, – there's no area there that I'm vulnerable. So what you have – is what I've put out to the world voluntarily <laughs> to a much larger audience than you will ever be able to reach your case out to. Sure. So it's out there. They already know. Who are you going to reach? You, you're going to reach 20 people, uh, 16 of whom are fans of mine and already it, like what I did, and six who already hate me. And and they don't need any more information. So that that whole thing is just silly. Would, but would, I do would you think, be- you know... Would you be amenable to when he does get his case together, bringing him on Legion of Skanks to present his case? Because that would be fucking hilarious. I would I, die. I'll, I would die. I'll consider. <laughs> I'd consider the possibility. I would. I would hear out the his case. He can audition. No, but I do. I do. In all seriousness, like I do think that it is beneath a state chair to to behave oh. in in the way that he yes. is. It's 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 not that there's something I I think is really reprehensible about publicly announcing that I know terrible things about somebody, but I can't tell you what they are, but I'm building a case. And then months later, I mean, he literally just said the other day, I'm still building it. I'm still, it's come, it's progressing nicely or something. You're like, I don't know, dude, to me, to me as a man, that's like, that's some real bitch shit. Like you, it's kind of on you to either indicate in some way what you have or present it or admit that you just fucking were full of shit sure. and embarrassed over your debate performance and you know that's fine too but uh but at, at the end of the day like i was saying before this is small potatoes man like we're we're trying to focus on a government that's that's arresting people for going to church and destroying lives and committing genocides in foreign countries like that's what we're here to fight and genocides is... in your state <clears throat> yeah, yeah yeah that's absolutely right straight up murdering old people which you know in some dark perverse irony was the whole justification for all of the lockdowns like you don't want to kill old people so let's kill all the old people here's the guy actually responsible for killing old people so that's what we're dealing with and we got to be able to right because like guys like me and you and you've you've dealt with something much you know much more you know serious than what i have much more egregious than what i have even the people going after your family and stuff like that but guys like me and you gotta be able to at some point you know almost go look i'm not gonna let this consume me because it's just that irrelevant we're going after a bigger thing here we're fighting a more important fight um and and so that's that's just what i want to focus on you know i want to my my role in this is to get on the biggest platforms as possible and inspire people to to really open their minds to the idea that human liberty solved so many of the the very serious uh, crises that this country is facing that it, um, very legitimately threatened to destroy this nation. Um, you know, like you got kids, I got a kid, and I plan on having more. And this is, I, I want us to be able to have a stable, you know, peaceful, prosperous society for our kids to inherit. And right now we're, we're in danger of the, this thing really going to a very bad place. That's what, that's what I'm in this for. Not for any of this petty shit, you know? Yeah. I mean, our, our houses have become our gulags. I I mean, that's 100% what's going on. I talked about this on my show on Wednesday. Uh, 
with this whole, I don't know if you, you've been paying attention. I'm sure you have because uh, you go on Fox sometimes, but the, the DOD basically declaring war on, on Tucker Carlson because of his statements oh. about pregnant women being involved in combat and uh, showing a political um, slant or tilt in the, in the DOD. And uh, now they're, you know, the, we've had this image come out from a, a class they're giving to uh, new soldiers about what groups they're allowed to be a part of and what they're not right. allowed to be a part of. And it's got like stupid things on there. Like you can't, no boog stuff, none of this, none of that. And I mean, that's, that's a scary thought to think that we are now moving into a direction where uh, a, a political party is taking full control of the military and we have uh, double the amount of of troops stationed right now in Virginia in in DC as we do in all of Afghanistan fighting the pretty much non-existent Taliban. That's a scary Yeah, well thing. look, I no, I agree. I mean, I don't think a political party taking control of the military is a new thing because uh, I mean, in reality, the the Democrats and the Republicans are one party and they've had control of this thing for a long time, right? So they this is this has been the case. And in the same way that the entire Democratic establishment lined up to support George W. Bush's war in Afghanistan and, and in Iraq and Barack Obama's continuing of those wars and plus adding Libya, Syria, Yemen, Somalia, you know, all the rest, um, Pakistan for a while there, although that was mostly drones. Um, but what's what's changed is that the war on terror has been pointed inward. Sure. They've now, you know, I mean, not not that it's completely different. I mean, they started with the TSA and the spying and all of this stuff, but it's it, it's taken a big step in that in that uh, direction. But I, I would I would say that all the woke shit is just a distraction. I mean, don't get don't get it twisted about that. Like this is just the excuse that they use. I, I mean, the the Pentagon is not concerned about pregnant women and their feelings. They will incinerate pregnant women and not think twice about it. Okay, they don't care about that at all. They they will they they will uh you know if you cared about pregnant women you wouldn't want to send their husbands uh off to the battlefield and you wouldn't want to leave them to be you know decapitated sure. or fucking you know um you know dismembered or committing suicide or depressed or a shell of the person they used to be. Um, if you really cared about pregnant women, you wouldn't want to send them into the military uh, to begin with. Um, they don't. It's not a coincidence that they're attacking Tucker Carlson, the most outspoken critic of all of the interventions over the last, you know, uh, eight years. It's not a coincidence. They just happen to use this as an excuse to attack Tucker Carlson, who's not great on everything, but is really good on on Iran, Syria, Yemen, Saudi Arabia, you know, not particularly on Israel. I've never the, really the heard shutdowns, that the vaccine, but he's good on, yeah, yeah he's yeah. good on a lot of these other things, but particularly the guy, the only guy, I mean, there's Kennedy who's great, but she's not like a major player the way Tucker is. True. I mean, Tucker is one of the biggest, you know, audiences in cable news. He basically is the biggest him and Hannity and Tucker Carlson was absolutely right. He, he was the guy calling out the fact that Assad never gassed his own people and that right. that was completely made up. He's he's the guy who's bringing Aaron Maté, a leftist, on to debunk the whole thing and explain the OPCW whistleblower and all of this stuff. Right. So he's that guy. Um, and it's not a coincidence that the, the Pentagon's going after him. They can say it's, oh, my God, you question pregnant women's uniforms or something. But let's get real. You know, like we know why they're going after this guy. So it's not there's, you know. It's not like a new thing that the military has been politicized. It's just it is a creepy new iteration of how they're using it. Sure. 
Sure, absolutely. And actually, I was gonna, I wanted to talk to you about that because you've talked about um, wokeism being kind of an elaborate corporate plot, right? And do, yeah, um, do you do you agree that it's uh, like not a waste of time to talk about that? I mean, can we use that in like a populist way to try and bring people to our side? Or yeah, I don't. I I, I mean. Not only is it not a waste of time to talk about it, I think it'd be insane to not talk about it. I mean, it's it's something that's become more and more um, prevalent in people's lives, and and it's something that people really care about. What no matter what side of it they're on, you know. And so I, I think it would be silly uh, and ill-advised for libertarians to like not talk about something like, oh, we don't have an in answer for that. I think the role for libertarians is to, when we talk about these things, have something different to say than the average left-winger or the average right-winger, and to not be caught up in these silly fights and to, to comment on it from 10,000 miles above, wiser and, and more insightful than other people are when they, they comment on it. And so I, like, I don't think there's anything, I mean, I, you know, look, critical race theory, as far as I'm concerned, is absolute garbage, just destructive, racist, collectivist garbage that is itself an attack on the ideas of libertar uh, libertarianism and classical liberalism. Um, and they'll say that, by the way. I mean, their proponents of critical race theory will tell you this is an attack on classical liberalism, on meritocracy, on, on individualism, all of this stuff, you know? But What's really the problem with wokeism? Is it that there are these goofy college professors who push critical race theory? I mean, is that the issue that we're all living under? Or is it the fact that both the politicians from the Democrats and the Republicans, the CIA, the Pentagon, all of the big corporations, the big banks, and all of Hollywood are pushing it? Right. I mean, what's really the issue here? The issue isn't just that this is being taught in some fucking, you know, like, you know, class in, in some liberal arts university. The issue is that this is being pushed on the American people by all of the most powerful forces in the country. And I would just say that they are doing that for a reason. True. This isn't just a coincidence. This just didn't, this didn't just organically arise out of the market. And I think that this is, um, if you at least look at it in effect, it has served as the perfect distraction from all of the issues that guys like me and you really think we should be focused on, sure. like the Federal Reserve raping the American people. Because yeah. that's, it's real easy, you know, you see the Federal Reserve out there saying like, one of their missions will be racial equality or something like that. Like, oh, okay, maybe they're trying to throw you off the scent a little bit from what they've been doing. That seems like a reasonable hypothesis to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and you know, you speak about the culture war a lot, and I I don't I haven't much on my show. Of course, this is only my sixth episode, so I think I'm doing okay. Um, and and give and, yourself time. Yeah, you know, we'll we're get getting there. we're getting there. I'm so impatient. And you know what? You know what it is is that I've been I've been traveling the country for four years and putting in a lot of a lot of fucking time, and then all of a sudden now I have all these kids, and I'm like, whoa, that's a lot of kids to take care of, man. Yeah, I don't know if you saw my picture on Twitter yesterday for my Costco uh, grocery shopping trip. But <laughs> holy shit! Um, but I mean, what do you, what do you think? What do you think about the culture war? How do we how do we really win this culture war? I mean, uh, we, we got we got people like Tho Bishop, right, uh, trying to red pill boomers in Florida. Right. Do you, do you think that's a worthy cause or or uh, in, in New Jersey, um, 
they do a bunch of y'all stuff, right? And they're they're trying to reach kids before they become Charlie Kirk. I mean, I know it takes a lot of, a lot of different things, a lot of different moving parts. But I mean, what do we do? How do we how do we focus our efforts on this culture war and start winning it? Well, look, I I love though. You know, and and I, uh, I I think he does great work, and I love everybody at the Mises Institute. And I understand that a lot of people have different you know um, angles and different strategies on how you know how they can affect change and and advance things one little bit toward you know what we all want to see, which is human liberty. Um, so I don't know. I I'm not against anyone doing anything, but I would say that what libertarians have here which I think might be really our silver bullet, you know, like our, our weapon that nobody else is really, you know, offering is that we don't want to win the culture war. We can actually speak to the culture war, which is affecting everybody's lives in this country at this point in really personal ways that didn't used to be the case, just didn't used to be the case. You know, like I, I, um, my, um, my what was it? Okay, so my great grandfather on my mother's side and my great grandmother were a uh, were a Jew and a Protestant, and them getting married tore their family apart. Like it was this crazy thing. Relatives didn't speak to each other. People were like, "You're not my daughter anymore. You're not my son anymore." It was this real, you know. And if you go back to your great grandparents' generation, a Jew marrying a Protestant was a really big thing. This is like personal relationships were going to be ruined over this, and uh, it it ended up working out okay. I think once they had kids, people kind of reconciled and were like, you know, as the the you want to see your grandkids, so you're like, all right, I'll see this little half Jew grandkid. All right, whatever, you know. Like they got they got over it or whatever, sure. right? Um, but think about like the progress that we've made as a society in that regard since then, right? Like I'm Jewish, my wife is Catholic. This was not even a thing for anyone in our family. It's like not, nobody even thought to be like, oh my God, you're, you know, it's just like, oh, that's great. You found a great girl and you found a great guy and you're getting married. Wonderful. You know what I mean? No one, it's not a thing anymore. We've, we've made progress in that area. Sure. But in the political realm, we're, we've really digressed quite a bit where being friends with a Republican voter and a Democrat voter never even would have been a thought when I was a kid. But now there's all this pressure to like, don't be friends with Trump supporters and you shouldn't be friends with a Biden supporter. And you, and this is affecting people's lives in a completely unnecessary, silly way. And I think what libertarian silver bullet in this whole culture war is, is, is to come in and say, we have an option to declare a truce that we don't need to fight a culture war. We, like, right now, we're going, we're moving closer and closer and closer toward a civil war, which is going to be bad for everyone, no matter who the victor is. You don't wanna win a war, you wanna avoid a war. If, if you can avoid a war, that is much better than winning a war. That's just a historical fact. You will take less losses if you can avoid a war than, than if you win a war. You can win a war and still be pretty much destroyed. You know, England won World War II, but they were wrecked. They took huge losses, you know? And same with Russia and even the United States of America. Sure. Not as bad losses as they did, but they took losses, right? So our, the libertarian answer is that the way to declare a truce in the culture war 
is to have some type of rolling back of the state, decentralization, localization, you know, even federalism, anything that doesn't make the power so focused and centralized in Washington, D.C., where we constantly have to every four years fight each other tooth and nail to see who's going to rule over the other half of America for the next four years. And this cycle, it's gotten so hot that it can only continue for so long without really becoming a bloody conflict. And I think this is, our, this is really our secret weapon here, is to come in and say, hey, wouldn't you rather just have peace? And there's gonna be, if we present it in the right way, if we talk that shit the way it needs to be talked, you can really convince some people that it's like, hey, you don't, listen, downtown Brooklyn, you don't really want to go to war with rural Alabama <laughs> about what their cultural values are versus sure. your cultural values. This is stupid. This is objectively stupid to do this. So how about this solution? You live however you want to live, and they live however they want to live, and we recognize that you know who we both really hate are the criminals who are raping us. And that's Donald Trump and Joe Biden and both of their entire cabinets and the Federal Reserve and the CIA and the FBI and all the rest of them. These are the bad guys. These are the guys who actually affect our lives. And the truth is that whether they have bathrooms for transgender people in Brooklyn and whether they don't have bathrooms for transgender people in Alabama doesn't affect your life at all. So really, what does affect your life? Oh, yeah, the blood-soaked criminals who are raping you. That's what matters. True. Focus on them. So that, to me, that's the libertarian message, perhaps put in a more diplomatic way. No, I think that was, that was beautiful. That was wonderful. I, I talk about this all the time. You know, we're going to have a hard time trying to turn Republicans and Democrats into libertarians. We're just going to. But they're not even half the population of this country. Yeah. You know, the 61% of the population didn't vote for a presidential candidate in 2016. I think it was a little bit less than that in 2020, but it was a very, very uh, tribalistic, like chess-beating team sport uh, uh, election, both of them really, but it was even worse in 2020 because we had to get rid of the evil orange man and we had to install the Alzheimer's guy. And, um, it, you know, uh, but, but 61% of the population that's, you know, if, if we took that at face value, there shouldn't be a fucking president, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, so, and also, and, and you got to realize that it's a, it's a, um, it's a false dichotomy that you have to get a majority of the population. Like, that is not what we we shouldn't even be thinking about that, and especially just because it's not practical right now for libertarians to try to get a majority of the country. But you have to think about the fact that really the vast majority of human beings are followers. True. That's just the reality, and that's not a knock on those people. It's just that's the nature of leaders. Leaders are rare, and followers are plentiful. That is that that's part of the human condition, whether you like it or not. And there are different areas where different people are leaders and other people are followers. You know, like there's, you know, if, if you know, five of us are, you know, in a, in a car that breaks down and one of us is a mechanic, that guy becomes the leader pretty quickly and the rest <laughs> yeah. of us become the followers, you know, sure, like, that's, sure. okay, you know this, so you're going to lead here. Right. And so, but if we, if we were to get 10% of the population who are really, you know, like impressive, intelligent, compelling people who believed in the shit we believe in, that will, I mean, 
that will change the world in a way that none of us can even imagine. True. So it's not a matter of getting 51%. And so to, to your point, the fact that there's this huge pool of people open, we don't need to get all of them. You know, We can pick off at the margins. But if the remnant gets big enough, if the remnant swells to the point that enough people start actually waking up, this can change things in profound ways. So that's like what we should be shooting for. And all, all I, I mean to say by that is that the the goal, the, the end zone isn't as far as it might seem if you think that we need to get 51% of the population to read Murray Rothbard. We don't. You know what I mean? We, we need to get a solid, impressive 10% of the population to understand that human liberty is the goal here. And, and if we do that, we'll, I mean, we, we will be in a great position, an unbelievable position. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. You and I, you and I share that love for Murray Rothbard. I mean, he's really he changed my entire life, but yeah. trying to get somebody to read uh, anatomy of the state might be a little easier than getting someone to read for a new Liberty, but it's still hard to get someone to read anatomy of the state. I used to, uh, when I was you know, just getting into philosophy and stuff. I used to keep copies of uh, The Road to Serfdom by F.A. Hayek, and I would give them out to my lefty friends in California, and they'd come back and they'd be like, they'd have questions, but they never read the whole book. You know, they just yeah. never, they never did. And I mean, even if you give them something as easy as, as uh, 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 Economics in One Lesson by Henry Hazlitt, which is super easy to follow along to, I mean, it, it breaks it all down to you in really basic terms. Still, they don't want to read the whole thing. So, um, but how do you, how do you feel about like, internet trolling for liberty man uh you you know that i'm a you know that i'm a devout member of of the tower gang okay i'm one, <laughs> yeah. of, I'm one of the ogs uh but but funny funny enough back in 2016 during the um election uh me and a group of friends started what was called the libertarian troll mercenaries right we started this actual private group on facebook there was a hundred of us and we used to go into the Donald Trump uh, pages and groups and the, and the Hillary Clinton pages and groups and we would troll people until they get into conversations with us and then we'd start messaging with them and talking to them and we started like recruiting people from these sides for our, for our thing. And I've, I've had so much um, success turning people into libertarians by, by trolling them. I mean really by shit posting and trolling them online. And then, and then bring them to our side. Is that, do you think, do you think that's effective? Uh, uh, you know, you're watching this like culture online grow every day. That's a, I think it's an, an effective thing. And do you think maybe you should probably start shit posting more often and maybe <laughs> join tower gang? I, uh, I, I will say, uh, however, my feelings about how effective tower gang might be, it's impressive to me. <laughs> like, I don't even understand it when it happens. I'm like, how did you all pull this off where you were the next reply every time and you all knew what the word was going to be? Because I'll be reading along with it and I'm like, what are we going here for? We're going fag. Okay, I get it. I get it. Now I understand what they're it's very, saying. Okay. It's, very, uh, it's, it's very effective what um, several autists in a group can get done. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. It's unbelievable. Yeah. All you need, that's a, forget what I said about 10% of the population. All you need is seven committed autists it's it and you can change you can change the change world. the world man <laughs> the obsession alone is great um yeah well, man. I, I mean I'll, I'll tell you i think that there's something you know trolling is this weird art form where sometimes it can be done in a really brilliant amazing way now i'm i'm not particularly good at it that's not really my thing like i'm very i'm very limited in what i'm good at like i'm 
I, I, there, there's like uh, throughout my day, there's like a hundred thousand things that I just suck at. Like I can't, uh, it, I, I hire someone to fix every single thing that goes wrong in my house. You know what I mean? Like I've, I, I, I don't know anything about a car. I, I, I just figured out how to change my oil. Uh, and that was like a big step for me. Um, I'm really good at stand up comedy and talking libertarian shit. That's what I'm really good at. Like that's that's basically it. And I'm 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 a really good husband and father too. Yeah. Those I probably should have mentioned the most important that, things. That's the most that, important. Yes, that that is by far the most important thing. And I'm I'm, I'm really I kick ass at those things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, but I you know I I do stand up and I talk that libertarian shit. That's what I'm good at. Um, but when you see like a fine troll, like a really fine troll, mwah, it's like a, a delicious, perfect, you know, craft beer. It is just, that is awesome. And then when you see a really bad troll, it's awful. It's kind of like stand-up comedy, right? If you, when you see the best stand-up comedy, like if you see Dave Chappelle in his prime talking that shit, it's the most amazing thing ever. You're like, man, that's just a guy with a microphone just laying genius down on you. And if you went to an open mic and saw someone bombing, you're like, that's the most horrendous thing I've ever seen in it's my awkward. life. And it's, it's hard to watch. It's, yes. It's <laughs> like that with trolling. Like a bad troll is bad, but a good troll is really fucking good. And there is value in really good trolls. There is no question that there is, there is real value when you nail it the right way. And there's something really powerful about the fact that like Hillary Clinton can post something on Twitter and then you just see her getting trolled. Oh, like yeah. the fact that everyone can just see that that's, that's powerful, man. And so I do think if, if you can utilize that force, like I'm not capable of it, but if you can, if you can utilize that force and really use it to just like sling mud on all of the villains, God bless you. I think there's something really powerful about that. I agree. I agree. And actually that, that uh, group that we started, the Libertarian Troll Mercenaries, turned into Think Liberty, if you're familiar with Think Liberty, which has uh, 70 to 100,000 followers now or something like that. So it turned into a really cool outlet, you know? And so yeah. it's, it's kind of that, that it's, a, it's a unity thing where people come together and then, you know, they're like, all right, we're going to start shitposting, we're going to start trolling. But then they start thinking of other ideas. Like the, the current Tower Gang is starting a podcast that's kind of like, uh, uh, Le Legion of Skanks. I don't know if you've heard about this Tower Power Hour. So uh, that's going to be a lot. I don't of fun. know. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. To all the guys get together. I will, uh, <laughs> I will have to check that out. I will have to check that out. Hell yeah! I do like. I I sometimes think that um, one of the the problems with trolling and one of the problems with sarcasm in general is that you sometimes you it, it's hard for people to tell what the the meaning of it all is like what the purpose of all of this is and and it's hard once you've committed to sarcasm for too long it's hard to um demonstrate sincerity you know and so that's that's an issue that i i think comes along with it but i will say again it's not my specialty but i will say that if people who are good at it i i've enjoyed it very much sure michael sure. malice is i mean he's you know king level troll oh he's the best He's the best. Yeah. Somebody actually, I, I made a post today that said, uh, 
Uh, if you think Joe Biden is bad at walking up the steps to Air Force One, you should have seen FDR. And uh, <laughs> I made that joke on Twitter and someone's like, this is a Michael Malice uh, level to- uh, troll tweet. And I, it, it was like the best feeling I think I've ever yeah, had that's in my good, life. That's, you know? a, like, that's a good compliment. <laughs> I was yeah. like, that's a, it doesn't get, get much better than that. Uh, which you, you, you spend some time with Malice. How, what's, your, what's your favorite thing about Michael Malice? Is it, is it the wit? Is it the humor? I don't have any favorite thing about Michael Malice. I don't. I've I've spent way too much time with him. He is a he is a grating human being. No, I I will tell you that Michael Malice. And here's what is my favorite thing about about Michael, is that, uh, when you get to know Michael and you're friends with him, he is genuinely one of the best human beings that I know, and that to me almost gives like a pass to all of the fuck. <laughs> he can be like the, the, the cuntiest person in the world. But the fact is that he is, he is a genuinely truly good, decent human being. Sure. And so that's like, you know, my, Michael is the type of guy that he'll talk all types of shit online and he'll fucking go and he'll infuriate people. But Michael is a guy who would, he, he will, walk into oncoming traffic for his friends sure. like he is a really good person and so that that to me is is the the best quality about him and he's also just you know he's he's one of these guys he's a weirdly smart guy who knows a ton of shit and i there's something about that i really enjoy that he can post something that comes off as like oh this guy must be such a shithead like, what a fuck it. You know what I mean? Like this guy, oh, he's just trying to be a fucking dick. And then uh, watching people online realize that he has read more and understands more than you and <laughs> your entire friend base and your entire family could ever accomplish in a lifetime. Sure. And that to, to me, that's beautiful. I know a guy like that. I used to, you know, I did MMA on and off for 10 years and I wrestled for 14 years and I actually trained with Chel Sonnen uh, in, mm-hmm. in, in Portland, Oregon at, at, uh, at Team Quest. And you know, you see the guy on the TV all the time. You're like, he's got this WWE personality. If you watch MMA, and uh, we're in the we're in the gym doing bag work, and between every round, he's like coming up to you, everybody in the gym. Hey, man, you're doing a really good job. You're do, you're awesome. You know, he's he's like completely different person when you get to know the guy. So I I totally understand. That's uh, some people. I love like him. That. I love his uh his commentary is like some of the best oh. commentary in MMA. Yeah. I watch his uh YouTube channel all the time. He's, oh yeah, he's, he's the great. man. He's great. Yeah, man. there's some really cool MMA fighters out there. I wish I would have stuck it out more. I probably would have been good. I was a great. I was a good wrestler. Not when I was younger, yeah. but as I got older, I was a pretty good wrestler. But uh, that's really all the questions I had for you. I was going to ask you one more thing. Uh, in your interview with with uh, Clint at Liberty Lockdown, um, was that last week or the week before? Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not going to ask. Think, you, I think just last week. Not yeah. going to ask you about the Ron Paul Felicio, but you did. You did. Uh, you did mention music and rap rap music uh you're not being a big fan of of at least the mumble rap i don't remember if it was all rap but uh i like to think that um you know we're the same age you're you're almost 38 right i'm 38 mm-hmm. uh i grew up in on, on the west coast listening to hardcore music and i like to think that you know there's this this arc this smith arc where you grew up in new york uh or, or on the east coast listening to east coast hardcore is that is that did you listen to hardcore no. music man no, I never oh, really listen to hardcore music. I listen. I, I'm a. I was a huge hip hop fan. Uh, when when I was a kid, like '90s rap is my shit. Sure. Um, but I just couldn't. I I don't understand the new kids today. <laughs> They're like I don't. But which is appropriate. Like I said, that's that's what it should be. That is exactly what it should be. I am a father pushing forty. I should look at what a twenty year old's music is and go, huh? I don't get it. 
and this makes me uncomfortable, but I never, I never listened to like hardcore or metal or anything like that until I started fucking hanging out with, with Jay Okerson and Louis oh, sure. J. Gomez and those bastards. And then they dragged me to like shows and stuff like that. But I did see, uh, I, I saw, um, all that remains live a couple times that, that Jay like dragged me out to those shows and then I did, I did actually enjoy their fucking shows, and that's pretty cool that fucking Phil turned out to be a uh, a, a libertarian. libertarian. Yeah, he's actually yeah. Gonna be, he's going to be on my show on the 29th of this month, so he's they. I, yeah, so I, I I remember. I'm pretty sure, man. I might be getting this memory wrong, but I'm pretty sure that we saw them in Philly opening for uh, Marilyn Manson. Oh shit! And uh, you know this is before. Before the rape stuff. Oh, so yeah, you can't yeah, blame yeah, them yeah. for any he, of that. He didn't, he didn't know at the time, guys. He didn't know at the time. At the Archie, time, calm, calm down, Archie. Calm down. He yeah. didn't know. At the time, we thought he was just an innocent devil worshiper. Okay? <laughs> but then it turns out he was into some weird shit. Sure. Uh, but it was for it was Marilyn Manson and Slayer, I think, were co-headlining. And uh, I was out there watching the opening bands and didn't really give a shit about any of them. But All That Remains came on, and I was like, wow, that was really cool, the show that they put on. They put on a great um, show. So that was, yeah, props, I, uh, props to those guys. Yeah, they're uh, um, this calling, that, that album. Uh, I mean, it was oh. probably an entire summer that I, I listened to it on repeat over and over and over. And I was actually singing in a band that was like metalcore style like that at the time. Oh, okay. So it was like, oh, I want to be like these guys. Now I get to interview them on my show. That's pretty cool. This month, I'm like, this is fucking cool. And he's a libertarian. This is fucking cool. I've been watching his Twitch Twitch streams and stuff. He's he's a pretty cool guy, man. But uh, yeah, that's all. That's all I really got for you, dude. What? Where can people find you, Dave? Uh, you know my crowd. I don't know if they know where they can find you at. Well, all you have to do is go into your bathroom, close the door, look into the mirror, repeat my name three, three times, times, and I will uh, I will appear. Oh, you know my my podcast is part of the problem. And uh, I'm I'm on Twitter at, at Comic Dave Smith, and you know I'm 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 around. You'll find me everywhere. Legion of Skanks, all that good shit. Um, but uh, I I would just say, man, uh, I appreciate you having me on, and I think what you're doing here is really awesome. And I think in a lot of ways, a lot of us get you know tied up in the the political stuff. And I love everything. Everything with the Libertarian Party is really important. All the political stuff is really important. But the big lesson. That that fucking genius sitting behind you, and that that picture, and the one over here behind pop, me, pop a in this ball. picture, yeah, yeah. Oh, you got a pop there. a ball up there too. It's that, important. Yeah, that's that's me and and Ron Paul and Dan McAdams. That's nice. the picture I have behind me here, and I got a couple of his books over here too. But the thing that he really taught us was that talking these ideas to people—that's what really matters. And you know, like that's that's more or less what I've been focused on for a long time. You know, like. To me, the best, you know, um, I don't know if you consider him a founding father or not. There's debate about that, but I do. But Thomas Paine. Oh, sure. This guy just wrote pamphlets, you know? He just wrote pamphlets. But you you read one of those pamphlets. Go read Common Sense today. Go read it. It's just like, God damn. He is talking that shit. And you read it and it hits you in the stomach. You know Thomas Paine in that pamphlet? And I'm sorry, I won't go too long with this. But if you read Common oh, go Sense ahead, please do. and you read the, the very beginning of it, right? You know, one of the first things he says is, is he goes, government at its best is a necessary evil. Yeah. And at its worst is an intolerable, uh, 
menace or something like that. I don't know. I'm butchering the terms now. But you read the first sentence and you're like, he just described the spectrum of the Libertarian Party right there, right? Sure. Like that is minarchist to anarchist spectrum. At the best, it's, a, it's you know, a tolerable evil. Like at, at the best of that, a necessary evil, at the worst, an intolerable evil. That's go and and you just read it and it punches you in the stomach and there's something like I to me what you're doing right now this talking this shit on the podcast I think that's the most important shit you could do I think it's the, the most important thing you can do is put ideas out there and let them resonate you have no idea like my whole thing is that I go I don't I don't really think I'm going to like you know be the guy but everything I try to do is to be like whoever the guy is i want to inspire him or her True. sorry or they to be or z the, or zay the, or whatever the z. <laughs> i want i want to inspire the z yeah. who is going to lead the world but you know what i'm saying like True. i want to i want to like just put that out there and you have no idea you have no idea when you start putting like this this message out there who it might reach or who it might inspire and so uh you know thank you for having me on congratulations on the new show dude the set looks awesome you're fucking killing it and uh i i appreciate it brother yeah hey man i appreciate you coming on and uh giving me that dave smith boost everybody wants it <laughs> everybody wants it but now but now everybody's gonna have to try to one-up our intros because me me and uh clint came oh, out with God, those what those are you doing to me here intros. okay well here's the new thing okay here's the new thing if you're if you're a good libertarian who's pushing good libertarian ideas i will try my best to try to help you out if you're calling me a Nazi on Twitter, yeah. I am not Go going to give you a platform. <laughs> Go that's fuck my yourself. New thing. And that's and and enough with the intros. God damn, those are good, but oh, I don't yeah. deserve all of that you stuff. Do. So, you do, but, man. But it's perfect. You. It's perfect. John, hey, John McCain's number two enemy. Uh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that was that was good. It's gonna be a hard one that to was, beat. That was that was tough. That was tough. I think you got it. Hey, thanks a lot, Dave. I really appreciate you, man. I'll see you soon. My pleasure, brother. <laughs> Take it easy. All right, guys, that's Dave Smith. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, once again, make sure you check out our sponsors, Lorenzotti.coffee, uh, toplobsta.com, because he's the man. Not only is he good at the graphics, he's really a cool guy. Uh, next Friday, I'm going to have Autism 316 Shane Hazel on, on, on the show, and that's going to be cool because... Dave is really funny and does a lot of great uh, spit and hot fire, and so does Shane. I mean, I want to bring on the best, the best mouthpieces, and I can't wait. We did a show uh, with each other yesterday on on uh, Radical and his show, and it came out really, really cool. So I'm excited to do the show here as well. Uh, please, for the love of God, smash that subscribe button. I am trying to grift this ad revenue into becoming a stay-at-home dad and a daily content uh, content con contributor to the uh, to the movement so if you could do that I, I i would very much appreciate it and uh make sure you come around on wednesday night for the solo show i'm sure we'll have one of twitter's shit posters finest to give you guys some commentary you're not going to want to miss it i will see you then but until then don't forget to break the cycle To explain the lyrics of my last song, they seem to contain a violent call to action in the verse and refrain. But I just landed in Minecraft. The helicopter part was in reference to GTA 5 and the things you do. So, any violence you commit, I am not an excuse because I just.
excitement getting totally old Make your own choices, yeah, you have control Because I just landed in Minecraft Obviously I would never advocate force Unless it's due process and a trial, of course And if you're convicted, we will make you a corpse In Minecraft, just in Minecraft There are nothing I mean, you know it Don't try to get us, cause you're close to COVID 